Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello one and all, and welcome to After the Checkered Flag, our F1 special series here on the Behind the Glass podcast. I'm, of course, Sam, a regular host of this podcast, and alongside me, Paul Wallace from Supercars of London, my co-host for After the Checkered Flag. Hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, wow, Austria, who knew? Well, you gave it the big end that Austria was going to be boring, and after the sprint, which you missed... You don't like sprints? Nope. Have you seen the sprint? I watched the highlights. I mean, it was exciting. I feel like that's all I needed to see. <laughs> <laughs> but what that did was set up what could potentially be a really exciting full-length race. I was slightly worried that Max was just going to do the same thing and drive off, um, but the temperature change meant that the Red Bull couldn't operate. <laughs> I literally almost want to dive into this straight away because... It's a chance for me to kind of go in on the sprint, but then also think, oh, maybe it's starting to work. But before we do that, can we just quickly talk about how beautiful the Austrian Grand Prix is? It is stunning. It's it, stunning. It's one that I really, really want to attend because it looks it looks always so picturesque. Even when it's like raining, it still looks like a really cool place so to be. So amazing. So we... So slightly worrying if you're not a Red Bull fan. Though. Well, I, was, <laughs> I don't know if we weighed into the controversy that... Well, there was a lot of talk about negativity, even maybe bullying or aggressive behaviour between fans. Mm. I don't know enough about... Like, I didn't read a lot into it. I don't know what was supposedly we said or done. So I think we'll focus on the action. But yes, aside from that potential controversy and, and behaviour or whatever it does always look like a good atmosphere because of, yeah. yes, the the Orange Army, the Verstappen fans, the Red Bull fans, uh, Landon Norris likes to call them yeah. McLaren fans, yeah. doesn't he, which I think is genius. But yeah, there's this beautiful situation and, uh, sorry, such, such beautiful... S scenery. Yeah, yeah. It's it, situated, situated. situated. <laughs> it's early on a Monday morning, people. <laughs> um, but I'm always excited to view the Austrian Grand Prix because of that. I just think it tends to not always be that fascinating a race. Until they build cars that well, can follow each other. <laughs> yeah, hello. Everyone's now going to come at me being like, oh, 2018, 2019. <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's kick it off with the whole sprint thing because this is our second sprint of the year post Imola. If you're new to the After the Checker Flag podcast, I'm not really a sprint fan. No. Because Whereas I, I am. Where you are. I'm a champion I, of it. You absolutely adore it. I, I, for me, I'm a bit like, well, it, it kind of reveals cards before the main game in the sense that we kind of see what's going to unfold on the Sunday. And so we, 
you know, if there's a mixed up grid, it tends to sort of, you know, sort itself out or certain things. Anyway, <laughs> truth be told, that's not what seems to be happening. Because take Silverstone last year, uh, take Monza with the Ricardo victory. Actually, it tends to be that sprints do deliver pretty exciting races. So I should start eating my words. But just remind everyone, why do you like sprints? Because I've got nothing to do on a Friday. <laughs> so it means that we get qualifying on a Friday. I can crack open a beer. It just provides more entertaining and excitement. If you're a Formula One fan, race week is so exciting. Leading up from Monday, because you know that on the Thursday or the Friday, you'll have FP1, FP2, which you don't necessarily need to watch all of, but at least there's something there that you can feast your eyes on and then have a look on social media to see what the teams are talking about, to see what they're trying to set up for the weekend that normally starts on the Saturday with the qualifying, which is always an exciting occurrence, and then on to the Sunday. But having the qualifying on the Friday... It means that there's an actual event that means something that's going into the Saturday, which then we get a sprint race. Like it's just something a little bit more, um, there's more substance I find to a sprint race than qualifying. Because let's be honest, like Q1's a little bit boring. Q2 can sometimes be interesting and throw up the odd curveball. Q3 is what we actually want to see because we want to see who's on pole, right? Okay, so, so to cut you off... You like Are it. Are we going to argue already? Yeah, <laughs> you like it because it extends the weekend. You get more action. You have more to do with your time. I get annoyed because I've got other things that I want to do and I need to do. And I often end like up missing what? sessions. Walk Twiggy. Work. <laughs> <laughs> so I often end up missing sessions, which is exactly what happened mm. this weekend. Um, but to forget about the fact I that- I actually missed the race because I was working. Oh, well done. <laughs> <laughs> forget the fact that it gives you more F1 to consume over a weekend. Do you not feel like, as I said, sometimes it can, it can sort of take some of the buzz away from the actual main race? I get what you mean in terms of it can sometimes reveal as in almost lift the curtains up just that little bit to get a taste of what we're going to experience on the Sunday. Because I kind of got that vibe on the Saturday. I was like, oh, here we go. Max is just going to drive off again. If we look past that and we just kind of give him that mulligan win, um, there was some really exciting action. The Ferraris were, were battling for P2, P3. And I just kind of got that sense that if that was extended over a two-hour period or a full race-length period, we would get a change of orders. There would be some strategic decisions to be made within teams and between teams. Maybe there's an undercut. And I actually thought, okay, Max can drive off. That's fine. But behind that, there's going to be some really exciting on-track action and then for whatever reason this temperature drop because i was thinking about this on the way over like uh, what how finely tuned must that car be and in a way the ferrari too if they can only operate in such a particular window that shifts the, the performance I think we've seen it over the years with multiple teams, right? Mercedes were famously always very affected by tyre warm-up, tyre temperature warm-up. And I don't think it's necessarily that they're in a Red Bull in a very niche window. I think it's just maybe that the car really comes alive yeah, with a certain temperature. And obviously, Formula One, the calendar is built to op or to drive uh, at the best temperatures of wherever we're visiting. Um, so you usually have good heat. And so, yeah, clearly the Red Bull likes uh, hot temperatures. And you're right. I mean, it... it 
whilst we sort of felt like, or I felt like, okay, fine. Well, actually Sunday's going to be super boring. I mean, Lewis didn't even move forward. <laughs> um, yes, I am a Lewis Hamilton fan. I apologize. Max, like he was going to romp away with it. Yes, the Ferrari was battling between themselves, but at some point that buffoon Benotto was probably going to get involved and tell someone to stay put. And like, I don't know. I, I just was a bit like, Ugh. but then, but then as has been proven multiple times now, so I probably do need to start eating my words. We got an incredible Sunday and an unexpectedly incredible Sunday at a track that doesn't always offer amazing racing. It has delivered some exciting races, but not mm. always amazing racing. And I think we can definitely say a lot of the on-track battles, especially the five, six oh. car wide battle up into turn three uh, towards the end of the race was definitely down to the new regulations and the For cars sure. be able to follow themselves uh, easier. So yeah, look, heck, I, I, will, I will give the sprint format, a, a, a bit of applause this weekend. It, it did a good job, even though I missed the actual sprint race. <laughs> it set up, and I think what it does do is it sometimes does light a fire within the drivers. So whilst the sprint might not always be as competitive as we might want it, or it might just feel like a bit of a, um, uh, a process, drivers often feel sort of infuriated by the result or, or whatever had happened in the sprint that they then want to fight. And we famously heard and saw Charlotte Claire at the end of the race going, oh, we'll get them tomorrow, boys. <laughs> and I think Martin Brundle and, and Crofty at Scarf One were sort of saying, well, does he, does he know something we don't know? And he clearly mm. did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yes, okay, I will give it, you know, next time there's a sprint on the calendar. I'm, okay, fine. I've, I've, I've got another, um, a little, f not fact, that's not the right word, a little thing that's going to persuade you into these sprint race weekends. FP1, straight into qualifying. You know, to, no. to figure that window out to try and get that set up because they were talking a lot about FP1 and cars going into qualifying maybe not with optimal setup to then actually progress through the weekend the grid can be all sorts of which I'm all for like, I am so with you in terms of the weekend format and the straight into quali and the Friday night quali I'm so in for that so I just think the actual sprint race is the unnecessary bit. Okay. So either make it a two-day weekend, Saturday FP1, straight into quality, then the race. Sorry? What am I going to do on a Friday? <laughs> Find another hobby. <laughs> 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 so either just make it a two-day weekend, cut costs, et cetera, et cetera, or I guess Indy 500 style it, do it on the Friday and have Saturday as a media press fun day and do the race on Sunday. Well, like the caravan racing that they did. Exactly. <laughs> but F1 will be like, now we yeah. just sell tickets. <laughs> exactly. TV rights. Anyway, so yeah. I don't know why I'm trying to tell F1 what to do. But um, <laughs> the first inkling we got of, well, no, I'm not even going to say this. The sprint also showed up. Our driver, I'm going to say, of the weekend. <laughs> not just the day on Sunday. You know who I'm going to say, right? I, I know who you're going to say. And I was coming in this podcast with a slight conspiracy corner, oh! but we'll save that for later on. Nicholas Schumacherus. That's not his name. No, Mick Schumacher. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, may, I mean, hello. <laughs> uh, yeah. What a, I mean, last year we all know, a bit of a write-off. We kept saying, just keep his head down. And then he kept crashing, so... I Start, did try and champion him, but then he carried on crashing. Carried on crashing. Start this year, crashed a lot, off the pace of Kevin Magnussen. We gave him a hard time. Mm. Proves, once again, that we have no clue what we're talking about on this podcast. Although, since we talked about how <laughs> Haas have been doing incredibly well qualifying and then cocking up the race to yep. the point where they were, what, second bottom? Literally. Since that podcast, pew! Seventh in the championship. Yeah. Double point. Yeah. Are you listening, Hass? Yeah. Mick, are you listening? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, out, out of nowhere. And what I 
I'm really loving about Mick Schumacher version 2.0 is he's got a real fire in him. This is not just results going his way, um, a bit of luck on his side, whatever. He's like a little old school Michael aggressive. There's a little bit of an edge to him. I mean, we saw it, especially after the sprint of, I was faster. Like, yep. what are the team doing? Like, yep. we lost points today. Um, but then on top of that, just in general, I think his attitude, his his body language in and around the paddock since Silverstone, okay, fine, only a week ago, but yeah, changed man. And I'm here for it. Oh, well, absolutely, 100%. I think he's actually starting to really enjoy that car. And I, I loved watching the sprint and then into the sort of first... I'd say 10 laps of the race, maybe 15 laps of the race, and just watching him keep Lewis behind. Did Lewis come out and say anything about, other than whilst it was going on, he said, these cars are so fast and the straight, man. He didn't do a, a Lando compliment from no, a few years ago. Like, oh, such a good driver, this guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, um, Lando. But there, there was so much to take in on the weekend that I was sat there and I was watching it. And you know those moments, they are rare in live sports, where you're watching something unfold not knowing what's going to happen, but you're enjoying it so much, you just sit there smiling. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That was was it for like the whole race. Enjoyable action. Yeah, and there was so, uh, apart from the one thing that I predicted straight away was Perez and Russell going together. That was like literally written down in a script. It's official that Red Bulls cannot (laughs) pass Mercedes (laughs) around turn four. It's just not allowed. It's not a thing. Um, But yeah, no, I think, I think, you know, as I say, we don't know what we're talking about because we sit here and we slag off drivers for no reason and, and, and champion Lewis Hamilton like he's completely untouchable, but that's just who we are. Uh, if you don't like it, I'm so sorry. But yeah, Mick, you know, having given him a hard time, I think it's fantastic to see. And traditionally, he has been a slow starter. It has always taken him a season, sometimes he's going to have to get up to speed and we saw it in Formula 2 and Formula 3. But I really hope now that this is going to be a push forward because, you know, it's going to get him noticed. It's going to get him talked about. And it's what we want to see. I mean, he's carrying the most important name in formula one it's the all the pressure all the yeah. injury everything and so if he can now start to deliver some results and potentially then secure himself um i'd say a more competitive seat but has coming on oh, strong again like you know yeah. I, I, does he want to go anywhere i else? would if i was him i would take another year i would take another year and i think it's yeah great to see him you know long may it continue and hungry we know last year for him was a very strong race We've got that coming up again before the mm. preseason break so yeah fingers Boss crossed still on the grid for that 10 pin bowling what was that? What? Ten what? pin bowling? Yeah. What? La- hungry last year. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> Schumacher might get podium. What if, you th- if you think about it. If you didn't see hungry last year, Bottas took out <laughs> half the field in turn one. It was quite exciting. And Ocon won a race. So Schumacher could win. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really hope that this continues and we'll applaud it. And if he starts crashing again, we should remind ourselves not to give him such a hard time. And uh, clearly there's I'll, some I'll, speed I'll, there. I'll drop in my conspiracy that I came up with. Oh, yes, please. Okay. Whilst wait, we're wait, on wait, it. Wait, wait. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, have you got? Have you got a little? Oh, oh yeah! Bum, bum, bum. Conspiracy corner. Christ, you need auto tune. Thank you. <laughs> Signs. Oh, oh, hold on, six. I've got. Oh yeah, tangled up get, with my get cables. Pre- my get pillow, pre- get sorry, yeah, oh, sorry. Right. Carlos Signs. Yeah. You know we've talked about how Red Bull might not necessarily be doing up all of this, all of the screws mm. on Perez's car. I don't see this, but go on. So maybe. Nah. Ferrari. Nah. Not just thinking about get signs out. 
get Schumacher in. Oh, oh. Yeah. Just as Signs mm. is starting to just fall away a little no, bit. No, but si- he's, he's a little his, bit of momentum from he that He signed Ferrari. his contract extension, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. I mean, for him, that just means money. Because Ferrari would have to buy him out. I, I think I think Ferrari is still... comes on song. I think they're still hoping that they can get him in a Ferrari. For sure. But twenty twenty just for the merch. Twenty, yeah, oh you, yeah, yeah. It's you, money. you alone. Oh, it's money. Would, it's would cash? Yeah, I'd buy everything. Yeah, I know. It's just cash. I know. <laughs> I th- oh, I was going to say something. <laughs> <laughs> this could get us deleted. So I think okay. they might even wheel Michael out for that. <laughs> oh God, sorry. <laughs> and I'm the biggest Michael fan in the world. <laughs> I might edit that out. Um, anyway, <laughs> I, I think. You know, science, no. So I disagree with you on the whole. I think Ferrari can implode quickly enough and have proven that they are not up to speed at being at the top end just yet. I mean, okay, fine. They were probably strategically on a par with Red Bull this weekend. They did pull some moves that that secured them that win. They're fragile, the cars. We've seen that over and over again. So I don't think to say our science has got some, because how many issues have we seen for Leclerc? And, you know, so I just think that car's fragile and they'll be capable enough at screwing things up to give, mm. a st- to, to, you know, not challenge Verstappen. But they sh- it, they are surely lining it up for the future. I think if next year science is not competitive against Leclerc and Schumacher has a mega year, yeah. I can I can see the bromance coming back. Sign some Norris. Yes. Back at McLaren. Yeah. But Schumacher again at Ferrari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Grid predictions for 2024. <laughs> you know, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And I think science will be an interesting prospect depending on what he does. At the moment, he's definitely doing a good enough job to be attractive to other teams, to keep his place within the team, to be a challenge, to be a headache to Leclerc, to be a part of that team and push them forward. 100%. But look at the start of the year compared to the last three or four races. I think I get the feeling Leclerc, if he can, if he can get the reliability and not have the uh, mess ups from the strategy has got a handle of science and Mm. actually could could dominate. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. At which point Ferrari can be fairly cruel. I mean, we say this, they don't chop and change drivers that quickly, Ferrari. Even when Raikkonen was on the decline, even when Massa was on the decline, they do hold on to them for a while. Was that because the, the options were slim pickings? Potentially, but I just don't think you they really like- have to be a particular a particular person to be a Ferrari driver. I feel I think it's more that Ferrari are not a team that are prepared to or want to take a fairly unknown talent. As in, this is one of their youngest driver lineups for ages, Leclerc mm. and Science, fairly unproven. Um, Leclerc, we know, is their sort of golden boy, but Science, you know, hadn't won a race, one of the longest runs without a race victory until Silverstone. So I don't, I think Schumacher's got quite a bit to prove for before sure. they scoop him up. If you think of Leclerc's season at Alfa Romeo, it was clear and evident that that man mm, was going into Ferrari yeah. as soon as possible. Schumacher, it's taking a bit longer, but if he continues to do this and bashes in consistent top six finishes, it definitely helps that the Haas is is so far uh, beyond what it has been in previous years because it was incredibly competitive and and like a hundred percent, not just the top ten. It was kind of there to clean up the points as and when the, the Red Bulls and Ferraris kind of fall by the wayside because they are the ones that are 
kind of giving up these retirements and Mercedes are just there to scoop up the rest. Hass are there too. For sure. And Alpine yeah. coming on strong now. I mean, we got to a point at one stage in the race, okay, without Perez in consideration, it was like Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes, Alpine, yeah. McLaren. Like, yeah. It was so two by two yeah. in terms of the running order. But that was um, Q3 in qualifying, wasn't it? Probably. I, I think mean, I, it, it was literally um, the f- five teams. Five teams and both drivers in. In... in uh, a bit like Barcelona, it should have does really show up performance of car mm. and not really being able to do much more than that. But yeah, I mean, who knows? I I, I want him to keep doing well. Yeah. And and it, Ferrari, right, will have an insight into some of his performance as well, not just because he's part of Young Driver program, but running a Ferrari engine, they'll be able to learn some bits from him. And we just touched quickly then on, on Alpine. I do get the feeling, because this was my big prediction last year, <laughs> was Alpine yeah. going to dominate, <laughs> that they were going to pull a Mercedes of, of 2014 and just absolutely come out the box dominating. But they're creeping up. They're they creeping are. up. Alonso's seeming more and more comfortable in that car, more yeah. and more dick dastard. <laughs> Ocon is now pulling in results, which means you know that car's getting good. Um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry <laughs> Esteban. Um, and, you know, slowly but surely, they're creeping. Mm. They're creeping. And it... Uh, alongside Mercedes, it feels like they're kind of getting on top of the car and, and they are fourth or fifth fastest at most weekends now. And I think we could see a cheeky podium or two towards the end of the year. Definitely. I think I think I've, I, Alonso more than Ocon. They were running different strategies throughout mm-hmm. the race. I kind of feel like Alonso is the, is the stronger. He can, he can definitely deliver. So if you're Alpine... Where's your head at with drivers? Because we just talked then about potential Schumacher as mm. a Ferrari. Do you think there's a part of them that is thinking, why did we... This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
sign Ocon on such a big contract? Mm. Because they've got this dilemma now with Piastri that we all hear in these rumours, like sometimes like, oh, that's Latifi's last weekend, Piastri's in. Yeah. Then we're hearing obviously Ricardo out for Piastri. Yeah. Like we're, there's so much, you know, chat about Piastri. And I, I do want to see that guy in F1 and I think it will happen sooner rather than later. But Alpine, he's current reserve driver for... So he's knocking on that door. Alonso, there's kind of question of, well, how long is he going to stick around? But hey, if you're Alonso and if you're Alpine, I think you want that to stay. Alonso's probably thinking, heck, if this car keeps getting competitive, I've got a pole position, I've got a victory in here. And Alpine, I think you're thinking, he's quicker than Ocon. So... And then you got Ocon, who's kind of just a bit wishy-washy there or thereabouts, but nothing spectacular. That's it. He doesn't doesn't bring anything other than a fairly reliable performance and result. He doesn't, he doesn't bring anything. He doesn't like have this hook because Alpine, let's be, let's be honest, like as a, as a brand, they are not a Ferrari. They are not a, a McLaren. So how do you kind of bring an audience, a fan base over? Of course you've got Alonso, but that's kind of like a slightly older potentially fan base you need like a lando you need like a younger cool guy that when you're going to go to a formula one race weekend you go i'm gonna go to the alpine merch stand because i can't imagine that sentence is said a lot (laughs) gasly (laughs) yeah but this is what i mean like i think Alpine would have options. And if they're going to start to get a little bit competitive, it's, it's not going to be a, a team shout. that people are going to be knocking on the door of. And they obviously want the French component. I'm not saying that's the sole reason they've got Ocon. And look, Ocon's a race winner and we've seen him do things, but I just, since he's come back from his year out, I don't think we've, I don't feel like we've seen the same Ocon that we did in his mm. Force India days. He seemed like a super exciting talent that was pulling moves out of nowhere, getting results that seemed far beyond the car. And, and he was just an impressive and exciting talent to watch. Since then, yes, of course, he's got that race victory and he's had occasional good performances, but we don't see, maybe he's doing it, we just don't see it, super exciting beyond the ability of that car performances. Alonso, we've seen a couple of times, well, what was it, P2 at Canada? We saw him at Australia nearly getting onto the front row as well. There's been a lot of moments where we're going, wow, how is Alonso doing that? We haven't had that with Ocon this year and not really last year apart from that victory. So if you're Alpine, I think you are in a conundrum now thinking, oh God, like Mm. maybe we should have just held our breath because yes, Gasly got this big question mark over, but you know, he's not going to Red Bull and where's he going to go? And he's French, so attractive proposition. Piastri coming through, plenty of others that I think you want to snoop up, but they're going to be interesting because they're definitely, they're coming on strong and we've still got the wishy-washy of McLaren. So hard to understand the pace of that McLaren. Alfa Romeo, the same. So hard to understand. They come and go each, you know, some weekends they're hot, some weekends they're not. Double points finished for McLaren in the end, but yeah. they didn't look competitive, did they? No, no. They can't, uh, other than when you got a few cars on the track at the same time, there was a lot of movement from them. But other than that, I think they were just kind of there running in the top 10 consistently, but not really pulling any other moves other than when there's other people fighting for position that kind of put them in contention. And you saw Lando get here and there and he got a five second, I think he got a five second penalty, yeah. Um, But I mean, McLaren in the top 10, ideally you'd like to see them higher. We are champions of McLaren. We do like to see, and we want to see them do well. Um, There was something that I picked up on the weekend that I got fed on social media. Oh, Oh, hello. Will Buxton. Did you hear this snippet? He said, oh, came out and said, like, I think it was the quote that said, he said, uh, it's going to be a re- it's going to be really different to have a 2023 
grid without Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah, no, but he said he's been misquoted. I, well, saw, I saw him tweet about it. Don't say it then. No, no, no. He was where's saying the, where's that, the full the, clip? that the phrasing was he can't imagine a 2023 grid without Ricardo. Not so look, hold on a sec. Because I saw him tweet about it. I was like, this is interesting. Because uh, so, it definitely came out as though, because he's, he's one of those people that would be in the know. Okay. Thought, I can't believe we'll be rolling into 2023 without Daniel Ricciardo in F1. Okay. So it's not, I can't believe we're going to be, uh, it's like, I can't believe we're going to be rolling into 2023 without Daniel Ricciardo. As in, I can't believe it's not going to, like, it's, it's not going to happen. Like, we, we will have Daniel okay. Ricciardo. Do you see what I'm saying? So, yeah. So, so you're, yeah, it sounds, if you just read it, like, yeah. But I even his, even his tone in his, his voice. intonation was wrong. And because we know they're filming Netflix and we will get this series, uh, February or March next year, you never know what's going on behind the scenes. Obviously, the rumours will come out. There'll be leaks. Well, what about Colton Herter this week? Have you seen that? No. Oh, this is the big scoop, which mm. McLaren, I think, will probably be quite upset has got scooped. Uh, Portimao, yeah. this week, uh, McLaren was seen setting up a garage for a test and Colton Herter from the US oh. was in the back of the garage. And it just so happened to be that, I think it was Bob Constantouris who, Constantouris, oh, bloody hell. He used to do a lot of the press conference yeah. chat and stuff a lot there. Was there and snapped a pic being like, uh, McLaren here with Colton Herter. Oh. And so it went viral and they had to come out and confirm that they're doing a two-day test with him. That I would say is yeah. dangerous because yeah. that was low key under the radar, not pre-announced, not as a result of his standing in India or anything like that. And I am certain Zach Brown is desperate to put someone American, if it's not Pato Award, like because the money, financials, everything, and McLaren are trying to increase their commercial um, uh, commercial ability. Mm. And yeah, with the Danny Wick question mark. It's only logical. It makes only sense for them to be evaluating other options. I am certain Ricardo would be thinking, Where, what can I do? Yeah. Because let's face it, he's going to struggle to ever get on top of that car. Yeah. That's the brutal truth yeah. of it. Is I'm sure he's realised by now, he simply cannot re-engineer himself to yeah. be as quick as Lando Norris in that car. I saw a press conference after Silverstone when they asked about why his performance is, is so far off the majority of the time to Lando's. And he didn't really have an answer, but there was no emotion to it. He wasn't trying to defend himself. He just basically said, I'm doing everything that I know that I can do with that car and where I'm braking on the track and where I'm driving. It's how I've been driving for the last five to six years. And maybe that's that's his problem. Like he's, he's driving as if he's driving the older car, but I mean... It's a re-engineering of your driving style, which I guess he sort of was able to do at Renault. It's not just, something that gets touched upon a lot between drivers talking about the difference between this car and the... Because they are fundamentally trying to reprogram their own uh, senses and, and instincts into a new car, which they've obviously been doing with the simulator going into the first test. Um, but it must be a lot bigger than it is being emphasised. Somebody somebody did try to equate it to me. That, that I can't remember the exact example they said, but it's, it's take something that you do in your everyday life. So as simple as if you are left-handed or right-handed, right with the opposite hand. Because mm. it, it can be that dramatic, but they were trying to, it was that there was a better example of it, of something that you program in yourself that's inherently 
how you drive, the, especially as you come up through the field. And, and, and some of these cars, their characteristics, their behavior, simply need you to re-engineer how you drive a car. And some of those elements are easier than others. And clearly, Ricardo, for whatever reason, look, he's not, I mean, he has been dirt slow at times, but it, it's simply that he cannot seem to get he can drive that car much quicker than you and I can drive that car. <laughs> yeah. um, but he just can't seem to get on top of exactly how to extract the performance of that car for whatever reason. And if I were him, I'd be going, well, look, it's not going to work here. I'm not going to win a race here. ever. And, and if this car is competitive, even if I gel with it more, Lando's got a handle of it. The question is, where do you go? Because his stock has lessened so much mm. this year. You've got to think that it's going to be a, he's a tough, sell to convince a team to to bring him on now. It's also an age thing. And an age thing. And do I think Daniel Ricciardo could still win races? Yes. Mm -hmm. Do I think he could still be uh, competitive 100%? But is he going to get a drive at Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull? No. You know, that's definitely passed. So he's got another potential sideways step, but I think it's going to be very tough for him to convince that team to take him on. So if you're Danny Rick, do you go... Oh, I'm going to go off to NASCAR yeah. for a year. I'm going to go off to Indy because he could he could go to IndyCar and demolish and yeah. win everything yep. and come back as an IndyCar champion. Yeah, but it's, do you take that risk? What's your thought process? So yeah, it makes sense that McLaren are weighing up options, um, but I'm not taking that Will Buxton quote as like he's not going to be in it. Mm. And I I I hope they give it another year. I because we all want to see Johnny Rick. But like, yeah, I, I I just had that flashback of when they announced Vegas. Oh, Danny yeah. Rick's room. Yeah. So I can imagine that he will have somewhere, not in a contract, but it will be just like a mutual agreement to Zach Brown to be like, once I've raced at Vegas, you can get rid of me. Just, just, then you can get rid of me, but I have to race there. So then it, this, is my, that, this is my conspiracy corner. Ooh. Conspiracy corner. <laughs> um, Dak Shepard. Yeah, host of Armchair oh, yeah, Expert, yeah. my favorite. Trying ramming that damn oh, right a few road trips. Uh, he's busy mates with Danny Rick, super busy mates. Uh, he was at the Austrian Grand Prix wearing a Williams hat. Really, Williams racing yeah. hat. So well, that's interesting. Now, of they course, his like- wife is Kristen Bell, so she could have been invited as a celebrity by Williams <laughs> and Dax was like, so great. Yeah. But I didn't know whether this to be like, huh, yeah. uh, that's a very interesting move because we all know Latifi's up. See you later. Mm. Would you as Danny Ricardo, want to go to Williams? I don't think so. But if you think you could be an Albon, if you think you could be quicker than an Albon, which maybe he does, maybe thinking, hey, that's, that's more top 10 results than I'm getting at McLaren. Yeah. But is that what he wants? Does he I want- would take the Williams drive. I'm just going to say that. I would take the Williams you drive. You take it over. Right now, so as Danny Rick, who loves America, we've seen him at Austin, lives out in LA. If you were him, you would rather a Williams drive in F1 than going completely rogue and doing Indy 500 and becoming an American hero. Yep. Or mm, I remember listening Formula to his, One. I remember Formula listening one. to his interview and he said he loved going to America because not that many people knew who he was. And maybe that's why he likes so it. He's going to do there. NASCAR, not in Disney because of his whole, um, yeah, it's called Dale Earnhardt, Dale, Dale Earnhardt yeah. uh, obsession. So, mm, yeah. I, 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 you know, I think the Williams seat, or is it, it a Gasly? It's a classic retirement seat, isn't it? The Williams seat, yeah. or it has been, but don't forget it's Doral tour now. So it's big us money, right? Cause that's yeah. a big us contingency. They're, going to push forward. We've seen Albon 
be competitive. And if you think you're faster than Albon, which I'm sure Danny Rick thinks he is and probably is on a par with Albon, and you think you can drive that car better, and he could literally go up to Albon and be like, right, you've driven Red Bulls. I know I can drive Red Bulls. How does it compare to a Red Bull? Yeah. yeah. And he goes, yeah, it's a similar style. Yeah. Then he's going to go, sick. Well, I know I can drive a Williams. Get yeah. me out of this McLaren. Like, I, you know, I say, this is the whole point of Conspiracy Corner. I just thought it was interesting. Mm. It was a weird little nod. And as I say, if I was Danny, I'd be like, you know what? 10 mil to go and do a couple of seasons at Williams that might be the end of my career, I'd take it. Yeah. Because maybe actually there's a podium in there. Mm. Maybe there's something, it is Williams, it's a lot of money. And they're definitely better this year than they have been. Okay, fine, they're still struggling, but actually they're last in the championship <laughs> with three <laughs> points. But, you know, still thereabouts. I mean, having said that, they're last. McLaren are fourth in the championship. Yeah. 81 points. But if I was to say to you right now, who, which team do you think are going to be fourth in the championship? I'd be amazed if you got it right because we've got... McLaren and Alpine joint on 81 points, Alfa on 51, Haas on 34, Alfa Tauri on 27, Aston on 18, and Williams on three. Mm. So I think McLaren, Alpine, Alfa and Haas and Alfa Tauri have all got a shot. 100%. It's mad. Mm. Um, Just shows that it's a much more competitive bunched up. Yeah. Great. Midfield yeah, is even more insane than it's exactly. ever Exactly. I mean, and it provided some some unbelievable action on, on track. And it was, again, like one of those moments where I was just sat there smiling, looking like a creep, yeah. watching the Formula One. But just, you know... Go on, lads. Five, five going into a corner. You had no idea what was going to happen. You're like, they're going to touch. I was they're like, that's, that's gonna, a crash. Yeah. yeah, yeah even Crofty yeah, was like, surely yeah, that's a, yeah, not yeah, even a, what? It's yeah, not a crash? Yeah, it was, it was just so good. But great racing throughout. And I think respectful racing throughout. We saw Leclerc overtake Verstappen about four times. But again, without the tenacity, without the sort of anger and without the competitiveness that we've seen really... Verstappen in many other situations or even at other races this year, he felt it came across like he was a little bit defeated. Mm, I don't feel like yeah. he fought those positions that hard considering we know how hard Verstappen can fight a corner or, or, or for a position. He seemed a little bit resigned. And I think this is champion Verstappen that we're seeing, which he was like, P2, great. Yeah. Because he knows, he knows what a ridiculous year we're having with unreliability for Ferrari and strategic disasters. He's like, cool. Peter. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he nearly got P1 because Leclerc, oh, I was, my, my heart rate was almost as high as the last lap of Abu Dhabi 2021 because every single time that he came on the radio, you're like, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. This, this is it. it. Dead. It's gone. Engine's gone. Engine's gone. Yeah. And it was, no it, power, was no. yeah. <laughs> it was absolutely heart wrenching watching it. And I remember looking at my watch going, oh, Oh, hard race a little bit. Yes, I watch it a little hard, but it was it was it was very exciting, and I was just sat there going, as long as that Ferrari goes over that line first, and as long as Hamilton doesn't have any problems yeah, in yeah, the yeah. meantime as well. It was great. To see. Yeah, it was it was to the finish line, a little bit like Silverstone, where obviously some races once the pit strategies have played out, you kind of know where those cars are going to sit, and you kind of just sit there praying for a safety car. Um, Signs, obviously. Jesus Christ. Bloody that, that, hell, that, that, that was all a bit that, scary for a yeah. second, wasn't it? Um, that thing went up in flames pretty quick and like they couldn't get... There was one point, I think it was the first marshal on site. I know what you're about to say, go on. With a fire extinguisher, 
put the fire extinguisher down yeah. and went the other way. <laughs> I mean, literally. It was, and I know he was going to get a stop block because it was winning, but like, yeah. mate, what do you think is more important right now? The fire yeah. or the car rolling? Like, yeah. just go and put the fire out. So I think they'll be having a review into that, I'm sure. Yeah, sad for science, but we've spoken a bit about the fragility of that car. And yes, you're so right. Those radio messages. The throttle, what's yeah. going on? I was like, oh my God. Because then it was like, uh, the car was like refusing gears because yeah. obviously the, the throttle was still there and um it must have been it must have been so stressful for Leclerc but also for the for the team back just seeing all of the data come back to be like he's not lifting his foot properly off the throttle he's not lifting his foot and then like Leclerc's coming and be like ah I'm on the yeah yeah it keeps exhilarating the uh, fragility of that that Ferrari but, um, <laughs> yeah solid result for Mercedes great drive from Russell again considering the the issues that he had punting um, Perez off, <laughs> uh, front wing damage, the penalty to get back up into fourth, I thought yeah. was great um, and shows the pace I think that's in there with, with Mercedes. And at times Hamilton looked sort of, you know, if he'd done the one stop, it'd be interesting to see how much further off he would have been. But yeah, super competitive from them again. Well, I mean, competitive from them again and, and suggest that there's still potential in that car. And I think going to a track that will suit them more. So I think they were saying France might suit them more. Maybe we're going to see them up there mm. fighting again for a potential victory, which is which is fun. And hey, look, if we get a third team in the mix, yeah. and there's still potential, you know, like, uh, okay, Drivers' Championship, I, I ain't seen them getting really in the mix, but what? They're third at the minute with 237 points. So they're 70, 70 points behind Ferrari and 120 points behind Red Bull. But we know with a strong team result, which is what Mercedes are nailing. Lewis, the only driver to finish every single race. Mm-hmm. We know Russell's missed the top five if they can keep bashing those in and actually increase their standing while Red Bull and Ferrari fall apart like they keep doing, there's every shot that that towards the end of the year, they could be there or thereabouts. But yeah, I mean, in the Drivers' Championship, Russell, 80 points off Verstappen. It seems a lot. And Lewis, 100 points off Verstappen. It, it does seem a lot, but look at what happened between Leclerc and, mm-hmm. and, and Verstappen. It's What's not- actually quite terrifying is imagine how smug Mercedes must have been in the build-up to pre-season testing, having no idea about the, the porpoising issues that they were going to have. In the sim, they must have been running them being like, oh, we've got this. We've sewn this. up. Yeah. We're fine. Lewis, rem- eighth championship, it's yours. Remove porpoising from that car. And rapido. Yeah. Mucho but it, rapido. But it's, all, but it's the consistency. It's it's their it's their Germanness that is just clinical of we get points here, we get points here, we get points here, the car's finished. There's no reliability issue, touch wood. Yeah, I mean surely at some point they're gonna start to do it, but the reliability has been incredible when yeah. you look at Red Bull versus and the consistency. Yeah. You know, that that's where Russell has to be applauded, it is his consistency is unbelievable yeah, yeah. Um, in that team and matching Hamilton's. Yeah. So that means that the team is so strong. Um, so yeah, look, you know, it's it's definitely setting us up for potentially a second half of the season three-way battle because I think historically Mercedes have come out strong after a, a mid-season break. Um, so it'll be fascinating to see. But yeah, a surprisingly exciting I loved Austrian it. Grand Prix. I loved it as well. Even I mean, I, I love Imola. You, you just love, love yeah. a sprint. Um, and so we've now got, uh, unusually, a little bit of a break because we've had such a craziness of races. Then we've got the French Grand Prix and the Hungarian Grand Prix taking us into that summer break. So do you, I think we, Verstappen surely is going to be leading into the summer break, wouldn't you say? Oh, yes. I yes. think that's got to be a given, but you never know. Two yeah. disastrous races actually 
would that work out? Yeah, yeah. Two disastrous races. And it's all to play for. It's all to play for. Look, it's his championship to lose. Crazier things have happened. For sure. Um, we may not be with you straight after the French Grand Prix, but we will be with you straight after the Hungarian Grand Prix, no matter what. So it may be a double episode. But either way, subscribe now. Turn on notifications so you don't miss future episodes of After the Checkered Flag. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you might be listening, uh, you can also follow us on those platforms and say look out for the red logo and the After the Checkered Flag logo so you know these episodes. If you want to follow Paul, he's at WallacePJW. He's at WallacePJW on most social media platforms. I'm at Seen Through Glass on most social media platforms. And yes, we'll be back with you for another race reaction very soon. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Should we get them to comment below on our conspiracy chorus? Whether they've got- Sure. I, we want you to comment below anyway. Isn't that just a given? Just comment. Of course. We love a comment. But let us know what you think of our conspiracies or whether you've got any of your own. Always. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.